Oh, yes. Welcome in. It is the BetQL tailgate to kick off, and I'm Ryan Horvath. It's the at-home version. I'm celebrating my birthday this weekend, and uh, so we're at home, and we're going to enjoy the games. Can't wait to watch my Fighting Irish tonight. I think they're probably going to lay an egg against Louisville and then most likely beat USC because uh, in my 35-plus years of living on this planet, that's just how Notre Dame football does things for me. We're going to talk some ACC football, and we're going to take a look at some futures. Florida State, the favorite right now to win the conference. Uh, pulling up the odds right now over at BetMGM. Florida State minus 155, so that's the heavy chalk. Miami comes in plus 500. North Carolina plus 750. And that's what I want to talk about is some Tar Heel football, actually, to start this segment off. And we're going to do it right now with Brett Friedlander. He's covered the ACC since 1981. You can give him a follow on X, B. Freed ACC and uh, Brett, thanks so much for joining us early here on a Saturday morning. I want to start with this Tez Walker, North Carolina situation. Good start to the season for North Carolina, but Drake may not putting up Heisman like numbers. He's most likely going to be the second overall quarterback taken right behind Caleb Williams in the draft. If he decides to come out, which most likely he does, but I think the offense is going to look a little bit better. And uh, my producer, Tyler Morales lets me know Tez Walker his prop if he goes today, 58 and a half receiving yards. Explain this Tez Walker NCAA situation to me like I'm seven years old because I'm so confused why now all of a sudden he does get to play football. Okay, the bottom line to this is that the new information that the NCAA claims that uh, has been brought to its attention is the uh, uh, a, a, the threat of a lawsuit. And I don't know that it's a threat. It may actually be uh, a lawsuit that is prepared to be filed. Uh, by uh, a team of four high-powered lawyers and North Carolina um, Attorney General Josh Stein. Uh, I, I think the NCAA finally came to the realization that uh, every court case that it has been involved in since the O'Bannon case has gone against it. This was going to cost a lot of money. And, you know, they had made their point. Uh, and, and so they let the kid play and had to throw in one last barb in its uh, statement saying that, uh, that the kid can play. So it, it's a crazy situation. It should never have happened. Uh, you know, yes, technically, Tez Walker is a two-time transfer, but one of the schools he played at never played because of COVID. The season was canceled. And with all the, the other kids that are being given waivers, you have to feel like this is personal between the NCAA and North Carolina, maybe dating back to the whole basketball academic scandal. Um, and then when the kid from Minnesota last week was given his waiver, there's really no way the NCAA could have could have just kept Ted Walker out without really looking hypocritical. So that's pretty much where we are. And uh, you mentioned Drake May and his numbers. Um, first of all, Chip Lindsay, their new offensive coordinator, came in with the uh, with the mandate to improve the running game, which he has. O'Marion Hampton is the second leading rusher in the ACC. But you see now with Nate McCollum coming back from injury two games ago, uh, Drake's last two games have been vastly improved. He had a 400-yard game against uh, Minnesota. Uh, he was over 300 last week against Pittsburgh. And I think with the addition of uh, a wide receiver one now uh, with McCollum and you know, I, I think the, the, the space that it gives everybody else on the field, it's going to make them better too. I think you're going to see uh, Drake's numbers spike from here on out. I do too. I like the over today, Syracuse, UNC. That's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. So I'm excited for that game. But let's, I kind of wanted to talk about October 14th and whose ceiling is higher this season in the ACC because we're going to get Miami and we're going to get North Carolina. Miami's also going to see Florida State down the road. And so I just wanted to get your take on, you know, because Carolina avoids Florida State, obviously. But which team mm -hmm. do you take more serious in the ACC? Is it Miami who has a big win over Texas A&M, non-con? 
or is it North Carolina, who's unbeaten in the defense, does look improved? At this point, I would say North Carolina, first of all, because their ceiling is is so high because they're still adding pieces. I mean, everybody else is losing guys to injuries. Carolina is adding, you know, top line guys. So there's that. Uh, Miami really looks good. I, I love what what uh, what Mario did, especially on the offensive line. Uh, he's allowing Tyler Van Dyke to be the same quarterback he was two years ago because he's not on his back or running for his life the whole time. Uh, but the thing with Miami is, and I've seen this so many times, they give you that promise. They make you feel like the swagger is back, and then they do something stupid, like lose to Middle Tennessee State. So let's – I'm still skeptical. I want to wait and see on Miami, but I think that they've got a lot of, uh, of upside too. I, I really like what they're doing, and I think uh, the fact that the game is being played in Chapel Hill I think might end up being the deciding factor. Should I be worried about Louisville tonight? I am a Notre Dame fan, but I'm a big Jeff Brown guy. I love what he's doing. And I know, you know, they haven't really played uh, anybody like Notre Dame yet. I mean, obviously, like in the trenches, we saw Notre Dame dominated Ohio State. They should have won that game a couple weeks ago. Problem is they couldn't put any points on the board. Notre Dame does get a little bit healthier in their wide receiver room. But you think Louisville uh, could compete? They obviously got some explosive players like Thrash who can make some big plays down the field against that Notre Dame defense. And Jawar Jordan, too, in the running game as yeah. well. But, uh, you know, I think last week, NC State's defense kind of exposed uh, Louisville's offense a little bit. Uh, you know, they forced Plummer into mistakes, which is something he's done during his career, which is one of the reasons why he left Purdue, because he lost his starting job because he kept turning it over. Uh, and then defensively, I don't know that they're equipped to stop uh, uh, Estime. Um, you know, you saw last week against Duke. You know, he didn't really have a lot of success. Duke really did a good job of, of defending the run, but he kept pounding and he kept pounding and he kept pounding and his big and his strong. He just wore them down. And at the end, he made the play when they need to make it. So uh, I also love Sam Hartman and I love his makeup uh, from watching him at Duke I mean, at Wake Forest for the last five years. Uh, yeah. I, I think Notre Dame wins this game. Um, I think Louisville's going to give him a game. I give him a puncher's chance because like Duke last week, it's going to be a night game. Uh, Brom has energized that, that fan base. It's going to be a great atmosphere. If Notre Dame turns the ball over, who knows? But I, I, I think they win, and I think they cover. I'm glad that you brought up Duke there because, man, I'm a big Mike Elko guy, and, I mean, mm -hmm. I think he's going to be that next big hire. Um, Stunksy and Riley Leonard get hurt. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see what's up with his injury status. But, you know, how much longer do you think Mike Elko has at Duke? Do you think he sticks around? Because he's really turned that program around. I've been shocked what he's done the last couple of years there. You know, there are two ways of looking at this. He can either go the Dave Clawson route and stay at, you know, Duke because he likes what he's doing. He likes the competition. He likes the fact that in the ACC, you got a much better chance of, of doing big things than if you're going to go to a second-tier SEC team. Uh but uh, he could also parlay this into whatever job he wants, to be honest with you, because his name is going to be at the top of the list on every opening. And I've already seen it with Michigan State, although that's a situation I wouldn't any, go anywhere near at this point. Uh, but I, I think that he's got his pick of jobs. So if he doesn't like what's open this year, he could stick around another year or two and, and, and wait for the job that he really wants. Uh, so I, I, I do think that you know, within the next couple of years, he can definitely parlay in this, this into something better. And you mentioned Riley Leonard. The one bright spot, the one positive is that they've got an open date this week. So you've got an extra yeah. week for Leonard to heal. And hopefully by next week when they play NC State, a team that you don't have to put a lot of points on the board to beat, 
uh, you know, he'll be ready to roll. Yeah, and that's when I became an even bigger Sam Hartman fan because rather than like celebrating, and he celebrated, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he waited for Riley Leonard to come out of the tent to make sure that he was all right. I thought that was a class move. Big Sam Hartman guy, big Riley Leonard guy. I think he's going to yep. be a hell of a pro. Um, so we brought up Duke. They're going to see Florida State, I believe, October 21st. That game will be in Tallahassee. Florida State also gets Pittsburgh, who's been a huge letdown, and now they move their quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, <laughs> to tight end. I bet their win total over. I look like a big dummy. Uh, and then they get oh, Miami. Too, That's going to be the, the big game. <laughs> then they get Miami November 11th. Is Florida State going to run the table in the ACC? Who gives them you know, that trip-up spot? Who gives them their best fight, you think, this season? Well, if Riley Leonard is, uh, is healthy and anywhere close to 100%, I'm, I'm thinking Duke does because you know, they're, the thing about Duke that has really impressed me is that you, know, you look at a middle Duke basketball school, private school, little, you know, their offensive and defensive lines are very physical. I mean, they held their own with Notre Dame last week, and that's saying something physically. And so I think that is a real um, uh, plus. And their secondary, I mean, they brought in Al Blades from, um, uh, from uh, Miami. Uh, they brought yeah, in a Miami. kid from, from, from Northwestern. Uh, so they've really improved on defense. And, and I think that they've got a, a, you know, I think they've got a great chance. Now, I wish that game was in Durham, but uh, I, I would say that Duke is the team that has the best shot. But to be honest with you, from what I've seen, you know, we saw um, Florida State's C or D game at Boston College. They just showed up, and it was still good enough to win. Uh, we saw them play a game at Clemson where nobody in the ACC wins. Clemson brought its A game, and Florida State found a way to win. Uh, I just kind of think that they are so talented across the board, so deep, and just so athletic and and and, and motivated that I, I, I think that they're going to run the table. Now, I would love to see an undefeated Florida State and an undefeated either Miami or North Carolina and Charlotte on the first Saturday of uh, December. Now, that would be pretty fun. And it would be yeah, pretty would... big because I think one of those teams gets into the playoff if that happens. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. The only thing that scares me a little bit about Florida State, I was so excited for their offensive line, and they're good, don't get me wrong, but when they step up in class, they kind of get pushed around, and then the back end of their secondary. We could say that about a lot of teams in this, in like in the nation, though they give up explosive plays, but Florida State, that is one problem I have with them. And you know, Ryan, they also have a problem with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, if, if Thomas Castellanos gave them hard time, um, you know, they're going to have some hard, you know, some, some fun trying to track down, uh, even Chiron drones today for, for Virginia tech. He's the same kind of quarterback. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. I actually took the points today with Virginia tech. I'm also worried. Like I know Jordan Travis is healthy enough to play in this game, but if they go up two scores, three scores, I could see them him taking out. him out in the second half. You know, like there's no reason unless you're trying to pad his stats. Just get him out of that game. I wanted to, before we let you out of here today for the for the day, uh, Brett, I wanted to ask you about Clemson because they have two losses, but they can easily be unbeaten. You know, they had red zone issues, turnover issues against Duke, played a hell of a game against Florida State. Turnovers killed them in that game as well. And uh, missed field goal and red zone issues again. So, you know, with teams like that, obviously the goal for Clemson every year, win the ACC, make it to the college football playoff, but you have two losses. So now you kind of got to change your goals for the season. You got bigger, different plans this season, but they came out and they stomped Syracuse 31, 14, I believe last week. So, you know, what do you see from them the rest of the season? Because they still got some big games. They still play Notre Dame down the road. 
you know, even though they stopped Syracuse last week, they still tried to make it close. I mean, it was, you know, they were cruising and then Brenningstool fumbled, set up a touchdown and and it got close for, you know, a couple of possessions. But yeah, here's the thing about Clemson. They are incredibly talented. And I think that Cade Klubnik keeps getting better. And, you know, Tyler Brown has really emerged as a, as a, as a, as a top wide receiver, Antonio Williams has been hurt. He's coming back. So, you know, you got to figure that they have the pieces. The problem is, and you mentioned them, they've got turnover issues. They've got red zones issues and they've got kicking game issues. And we're five games into the season now. And, you know, you, you want to keep working on them to get better, but it's not just a, an aberration anymore. This is the personality of that team. And that's something that they're going to have to fight the entire season. If they play clean games, they got a chance to beat anybody as we've, you know, we saw last week at, at a couple weeks ago at death Valley. If they don't, they can get beat by anybody. And I still think that um, they've got a couple of losses in them. I think North Carolina is going to beat them. And I think South Carolina is going to beat them and uh, just chalk it up as one of those, this is a bridge year. And, you know, as long as club Nick comes back and, uh, you know, they, they have the pieces and, and Garrett Riley sticks around another year, then maybe next year's the year for them. But it, it's not a, it's just not a classic Clemson team. All right, Brett, in 60 seconds, so I know you covered the ACC, but who wins the national title if you had to make a pick? Because Georgia hasn't looked good the last <laughs> couple of weeks. You know, you do have uh, Florida State unbeaten right now. You got Texas and Oklahoma. Huge game today, obviously, the mm-hmm. Red River shootout in the Big 12. Last year in the Big 12 for those two teams. Who do you like? Well, I think this year it's probably as wide open as we've ever seen it. And I think that's good. I mean, we need college football needs this. Um, I I don't think there's a clear cut favorite. And as an ACC guy, I'm going to take Florida State. How about that? I love it, man. I love it. And half of my family, Knowles fans out in Tallahassee, so they would love that too. Brett, thanks so much, man. Brett Friedlander covers ACC football for SaturdayRoad.com. Enjoy the games today, man. I will. And besides, I'm partial to teams that go, you know, chop. So, yeah. Oh, go Braves too. Go Braves, man. I mean, Braves, it's, it's hard to, it's tough to bet against the Braves. I can't wait to watch that series though. Braves and I'm terrified they're going to lose to the Phillies. <laughs> that is the, hey, that's, in my opinion, I keep saying this, that's the NLCS. That's the true NLCS. Yep. Good, good luck today, man. Enjoy the games. All right. All right. All right. Really good stuff there from Brett. Uh, hey, one that I almost passed up here. So a lot of love for Missouri today. A lot of people on Missouri. I'm going to bet LSU. Uh, obviously, as a Notre Dame guy, I could tell you the spots where I like Brian Kelly. I told everybody to take Ole Miss in the over last week. I'm uh, not buying it. I'm going to go with LSU. Jaden Daniels has struggled a little bit under pressure. He's putting up ridiculous numbers where if that's not a two loss team, he's probably getting some Heisman looks. So I'm going to roll with LSU. B.C., Here's one that's moving all over the place right now. Down to two and a half. Army at home today. Two and a half point favorites in West Point over BC in a game where the total's 48. Lean BC at three and a half. Down to two and a half. I kind of like Army. I feel like that's going to be a grind out game. Limited possessions, obviously. Give me Army. We already gave out Ohio State. That one's down to 18 and a half. The under 60 and a half in the Red River shootout. UCLA minus three over Washington State. One more really quick. No DJ Irons today. So I'm going to go under 42 and a half in northern illinois and akron we'll have more picks coming up we're going to do it with reed wallach host of the early read podcast and bet sided and uh, we'll do that in about a couple minutes so stick around it's the beck tailgate to kick off i'm ryan horvath here on the beck network and the odyssey app